Hello, and welcome to The Kink Perspective. My name is Chris. I'm a psychotherapist and consultant. On this episode, I'm going to talk about BDSM and behavioral change. This is going to be kind of more of a drawback to a discussion I had with someone a few weeks ago and a writing I've already actually posted on FetLife. When we consider behavioral change in the lifestyle, for each person that carries something different, we define the lifestyle for us and what it means for us through our own experiences. This becomes the debate of your kink is not my kink, but your kink is okay. For some people, it's rope, it's needles, it could be masochism and sadomasochism. It can be beatings or restrictions, honorifics, protocol. There are thousands of flavors here under the fetish umbrella. While speaking with someone that I regard quite highly, he's also a kink educator, at least for what I enjoy in the lifestyle, he noted that BDSM is like a religion, constantly evolving. We're making it up as we go along. There is no real BDSM Bible. And while I sat and I kind of thought about his comment, it rang true. Now initially, I was kind of, I don't know, I was annoyed by the comment. I thought about why I was annoyed. <clears throat> because I follow a certain style and I follow a certain path. I follow the traditions that have laid down, been laid down before us. That doesn't ring true for each person. There are kittens and pups, there are brats, there are tamers, there are just rope tops, and that's fine. We each define and do what we want that's different. But I've always believed that there's certain rules and certain protocols we all need to follow, consent, communication, safety. And we follow these things because they keep us within that lifestyle mindset. Otherwise, to me, we've kind of devolved into some sort of debauched orgy sex party that just throws kink involved into it. And that's fine for some, but then we're conflating the two and calling one thing BDSM, while in reality, it's not. So we have things we all follow or enact when we enter the lifestyle. He further commented, and this was quite reflective for me, that the beginning and the end letters of BDSM really have nothing to do with the middle ones. That, for me, was a moment of reflection. I'm not into rope, and I'm not a masochist. Neither of those things, however you interpret the letters to fit into your interpretation of what the lifestyle means, have much to do with the D or the S part. While I agree, speech evolves, things change, where do we hold the line for what we expect and want, even if we're unsure what those things mean. How do we expect that they're going to be defined for everyone else or ourselves? So I'm going to start with some of the men's behaviors I read about and the interactions that I see on alt.com, fat life predominantly, cuffs. From the stories I read in which there is, of course, a duality. While it may be uncomfortable to understand, we do have to sit back and consider what we're projecting versus what we're receiving, and where personal responsibility is. Behavioral traits that I see for the most part for many of the men that now enter the lifestyle, for me at least, I see no more than there's an interaction of going out to a nightclub, when that was actually a thing, maybe pre-pandemic, and dropping as many pickup lines as they can, trying to get lucky. 
while a mass approach might work for some where they mass blanket and mass email women the same stories the same lines it does taint and paint about a very broad and bad picture of men to, that use these pickup lines in order to facilitate a response awkward settings in order to generate a response in order to begin a conversation it's when those conversations turn from polite to hostile that I'm really curious about, let alone if they don't really understand how to talk to someone, why are they approaching someone in a lifestyle in the first place? When the Fifty Shades movie came out and the books came out, they kind of gave this false representation of what the lifestyle was. People began identifying with markers instead of understanding that there's actually work that goes involved to become part of a lifestyle, to become part of the community that you're claiming through titles, those very titles, some abhor, and then how you approach people. One of the first studies that was conducted in the 1980s by uh, Klinky et al. in 1986, actually, that rated and compared different pickup lines and their effectiveness. While this demonstrated the effectiveness of some of the initial phrases and ineffectiveness of others, I began to think about how men are talking to women online and the conversation I had in these last couple of weeks. I advocate for everyone coming into the lifestyle to read, attend functions, learn about their local community, ask questions, learn about safety, understand risk, and so forth. But in the name of the hot bods that sport a six-pack and hold a belt, does this become the only marker for their lifestyle journey? I've discussed prior that you can call yourself a mechanic, but if you don't know how to fix a car, why would anyone go to your repair shop? You might get lucky here or there, but inevitably, you're going to ruin more cars than you fix. And that analogy coming across when we look at BDSM, if someone's claiming to be a dominant and has no training, no experience, has never stepped foot into a club, has never gone to a, an event, has never gone to a training session, what do they actually know about the lifestyle? Why would anyone want to submit or take orders or relinquish that control to these people? I do understand when men are reading posts here or viewing photo after photo that more often than not ask the question, which bejeweled butt plug in full display, how will you do X, Y, or Z to me? Or the phrase, please fill me up and so forth, that the messaging gets blurred. That discerning fantasy from reality may become difficult. Now look, I'm not saying this justifies acting like an asshole, forgetting your respect, or treating people as you want to be treated. I've yet to understand in any of my interactions anything less than being respectful. I find that goes a lot further, although I'm digressing here a little bit. So when I talk to men, which I probably know the majority of the time I'm never going to get a true answer, but I always pose the following question. Do you believe a hostile approach will work if you've been rejected initially? Furthermore, if it did work, would that be the foundation for a relationship you want based on fear or intimidation? How is that going to look? How is that a person that you've now intimidated or scared or humiliated joining you into a relationship, how is that going to be reciprocal on any level? How do you think there'll be kindness or trust or any foundation built? Now, something else I see criticized quite often on social media, it's not something that I necessarily would partake in, but it's men that have their penis as their profile avatar. 
While women often lament this, I read about nine stories the other day lambasting this male behavior. I decided to look at these women's profiles, compare theirs to the men they were attacking. In these specific nine cases, eight of the nine men at the time of viewing, indeed, did display their penises as an avatar. They did have other facial photos on their accounts as well, but that is what they chose to use. Fair enough. It's their private space, it's their corner of the internet to call home. So, why is it such a problem? I decided to look at those who were the assailants against these men. While some had avatars that were just memes, others that had their breasts or vaginas on full display. This then leads me to another question. Women who participate in displaying their genitalia, why is that behavior okay? Why is it empowering? It's liberating. But for men, this is looked down upon. Now, while I come from a time and an era that fully supports all parties should train and learn and grow within a lifestyle, I know that's not for everyone. My standards aren't yours. Of course, that allows me to associate with those in the lifestyle that have the same goals, aspirations, protocols, or things that I like that I feel are going to help me grow in the area that I appreciate the most. And the same can go for someone else's likes. They will more often than not associate with those who are going to enhance what they do in the lifestyle from rope play to fire play, ice play, water play, and so on. They're going to find those people and hone in on them and then group with all of those people so they can learn and expand from each other. No one, in my opinion, wakes up knowing every facet of the lifestyle. You're not going to know everything about rope with never doing any classes whatsoever. You're not going to understand how fire or ice play and let alone do either one of them safely without any training. Now for me, I wouldn't participate with someone who had no training, but that's just me. Now lately, I see a lot of these posts that collectively group all men together because of their behavior. For men that I see that displaying the behavior and guising it with some sort of imposed title of daddy, master, or dominant, just to name a few. If you find that the lifestyle fits for you and you want to grow within it, why do you then embrace the side of it that reduces it to nothing more than a pickup line at a bar looking for sex? Is that all you want out of the lifestyle? Because you can pay for sex, some would, and have argued we do anyway, just in different forms. That's a completely different topic though. I'm not discussing this because I believe people should change their behavior. Changing your behavior comes from within and doing hard work to change who you are. I personally work with that in therapy using combinations of CBT and other modalities to help my clients. But change starts from a desire within and you must want that change in your behavior if you're in hopes of finding the ideal person for you that reciprocates your desires for a life. I do believe there are contributing factors to the increased reasons why men are acting the way they do on social media. And since that behavior is learned, I believe there is factors that drive this. Now this isn't to excuse their behavior, far from it. They can be called out upon it, they can be talked to about it, other men could approach them. But again, it still comes down to a desire of wanting to change one's self. While it has been displayed time and time again, I don't think that every profile I view of a woman asking to be bred or used is indicative of what they want. More often than not, I believe these are just fantasies. I have not interviewed every man or woman on every social media BDSM website to figure this out. 
Maybe there are indeed those women that enjoy and want to be spit upon. That's their desire. If I was new, coming into the lifestyle and stumbled upon a place like FetLife or Cuffs or Alt.com and I was bombarded by these images, and let's move past for a moment those who are commodifying themselves, meaning those who are selling their wares, who are just doing this to sell their underwear, to, to drive their fan base on OnlyFans, and while there's nothing wrong with this, when we look at this behavior, what would my perception be? I, in fact have had multiple conversations with new people entering the lifestyle that fully believe this is what's expected. And this is on both sides. This isn't just men saying this. I've had very young women that I've spoken to who have approached me for help, asking if this is what's expected of them because they see this glamorized and popularized by the most important, I guess you could say, fat liberties or popular people on alt.com or at the top of their list, predominantly women, pushing this out there. So the question comes up, what do I do next? If the perception of those stories and those that love and crumbs and hearts, the stories that are written up by these women that criticize men for dick pics as avatars, what do you think is the perception of those viewing imagery, displaying and requesting engagement from their audience? And more than likely, it's nothing. No one holds them to a different standard. Everyone is drooling. Even women are drooling over other women when they're creating this very suggestive content. But when men do it, it becomes this double standard against them. Of course, men seeing this behavior, they begin to believe that if this is what women want, that somehow this is how they need to be approached. Now, this isn't a justification for acting this way. This isn't excusing their behavior. But we have to understand the behavior is not one-sided. Behavior is learned. Now, we need to look at something else. If said engagement is requested, for example, don't you want to make my pussy drip? Or a photo of their vagina on full display saying, want to taste? And so forth. I'm going to contradict you for a moment. Most of these popular profiles or these women who get a lot of attention, I would argue, push this behavior while turning it around and condemning it at the same time. And they're not condemning themselves. They're condemning the men or those people that respond to their request for engagement. Inevitably, the statement's going to come. It's my body. It's my choice. All right, let's discuss that for a moment. So it is your decision to make a statement to write something or post a photo. You further then want to engage for what I am guessing is the need to fulfill attention-driven behavior and then become appalled when in kind someone responds. What does this actually do? It sets someone up as the victim. So they're actually playing through the victim mentality. My question then to the ladies doing this, do you want people to respond to you at all when you were posting this content or these photos, how would you like them to respond? What benefit do you receive by asking such an explicit question? If you're engaging with your audience in this manner, and I use the word audience very loosely, are you more asking them to appreciate your style and flair? Or are you facilitating your own motives behind it? If complaints are said that the porn industry projects the wrong beliefs and stereotypes, then what do these demonstrations project? How, as a BDSM and fetish community, 
can we do better and ask more from each other if we're unsure of what we're portraying ourselves and asking others to do? That's kind of like saying, don't do what I do, just do as I say. And I'm not attacking anyone specifically. I'm actually genuinely curious. Why? Well, that's the therapist side in me. It's the side that wants to understand human behavior. Because you can't do one thing and then turn around and condemn everybody else following suit. Communal behavior is derived and different from individual behavior because our BDSM and lifestyle vary and fall under a generalized umbrella. Can there be a way that fits all of us? Honestly, no. Going back to my conversation from a couple of weeks ago, I have to think about our cultural beliefs of BDSM and the lifestyle that vary from person to person. We hold ourselves to our own standards, and then some project that standard upon others. Sure, I'm guilty of this too. I feel there are many things that do not go hand in hand with lumping them into the lifestyle. I make a cognitive decision not to associate with those people. What I do not do, but I see quite often, is then in turn weaponize victimhood to solidify a foothold. That becomes disingenuous. The effect that our culture has on those entering the lifestyle for the first time, or returning, or somewhere in between, I believe will always be up for debate. My stance on protocol is not going to be yours, even if you partake in it. Just as I wrote and stated on my profile that I use it for professional use only, I receive messages quite often from women wanting to engage in activities, even those of a sexual nature. While unwarranted and not desired, I'm not going to lambast those ladies asking, even if the requests are crass and go against how I practice BDSM privately. The behavior that is displayed in the community, from groups to individual posts, photos, or updates, influences behaviors of others and the mindsets of those within the community. This is something that cross-cultural psychologists study, looking how different cultural factors influence individual behaviors, differences in cultures of the world, and differences in societies. If community-driven influences are a point of behavioral change, and their approaches to the lifestyle, we could use community-level influences as an intervention point for positive behavioral change. If the belief system is that all women want to be ravaged, over time, men would be conditioned to believe so, even though this is untrue. Just as it is untrue that all men displaying their dick photos have nothing else to offer. To understand human behavior is the need to recognize that specific cultural settings such as alt.com, cuffs, fetlife, influence a large percentage of perception and behavior that's displayed on those social medias. To harness the ability of these large platforms to modify or change that behavior through multiple and different pathways in which the community can more positively shape sexual behavior for both men and women in more positive interactions, I believe would be more beneficial. Until next time, be safe and stay kinky.